This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. The Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond The sickest NHL podcast. It's going to be sick. And welcome to another edition of the Eye Test here on a sick podcast network. I'm Jimmy Murphy. He's Pierre McGuire. We've got another great episode lined up for you. Joining us shortly will be longtime NHL enforcer and former All-Star as well. John Scott joining us here on the Eye Test. We'll talk about, amongst other things, uh, the Rempe dilemma with the New York Rangers. Uh, he actually checked in with him today. Uh, apparently, John gave Rempe a call uh, to give him some advice, see where he's at, and help him navigate through what has been a very uh, whirlwind start to his NHL career, uh, especially when fisticuffs are concerned. Um, Pierre, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, you know, you know what else I'm looking forward to, though, Pierre? is trying one of those factor meals because you told me your wife had a great meal last night, eh? She did. Melanie had an amazing meal down in Boston last night. I'm up here in the northern part of Quebec uh, getting ready to do some work with the ECAC women's tournament, Jimmy. So I got a delightful call from Melanie saying the factor meal is phenomenal. It's great. And uh, she's looking forward to having another one tonight. It's easy when you don't have your husband home. You know what I mean? And she just, she loved it. And trust me, she, I told you the other day when, um, Ryan went to the Minnesota Wild Development Camp. Our son, he was raving about the food and all the chefs they have. Right. And I can tell you, like my wife's a hard marker when it comes to food. Mm-hmm. And she called up and said, Pierre, this was really good. Wow. So it's, I thought that that's high praise. Really high yeah, praise. Yeah, let's tell everybody because we can get you a great deal with Factor if you're interested in trying out their meals. And uh, Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with prepared Chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including mm. keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Two-minute meals, fuel up fast with factors, restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat. Whenever you are, snacks, smoothies, and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day-like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. It's the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. 
You can make it flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need, choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no missed meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash itest50. Again, that's factormeals.com slash itest50. Use the itest50 to get 50% off. That's code ITEST50 at factormeals.com slash ITEST50 to get 50% off. It looks like a hell of a deal to me, Pierre. It's a heck of a deal. 100% agree. And you read that very well. So good job on you. Thank now you, you very can much. have a drink of water. I am. <laughs> <laughs> My energy. Well, Pierre, listen, we've got a lot of things going on in the NHL right now. And yes. obviously, we'll talk about the state of fighting and what's going on with Rempe and the Rangers with John when he joins us right now. But before he gets. All right, hops on with us. Let's talk about a, a big topic coming out of Winnipeg uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. Gary Bettman uh, met with the media there after some comments by the owner, one of the owners, Mark Chipman, who you know said pretty bluntly that we need better attendance to survive. Um, that we're struggling right now, and but Bettman came in, did his best to erase all doubt. Uh, he, he said that the whole relocation talk is malarkey. Uh, we want to just stay here. We believe in this market. Pierre, just your take on, you know, what is going on there right now? You've got boots on the ground there. What is your take on what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets? Well, first of all, season ticket basis dropped from 13000 to 9200 and that's not good enough in that marketplace in particular. And when you factor in, no pun intended, the fact that the team is good, Jimmy, well, you know, it is a good team, and it's well run. Uh, Kevin Shevel day off. Ownership there has done, I think, a tremendous job. Kevin, as a GM, has done a good job. Scouting staff has been solved. Very good coaching by Rick Bonus and his staff, Scotty O'Neill on that staff as well. They've done a lot of things really right there. The one thing that's hurt, and I think part of that is a tie-in, the economy's tough, obviously, not a lot of disposable income. And uh, it's a small market, Jimmy. It's a small market. So – Money's not going to be an issue there, I think, because of the depth of ownership that they have with Mr. Thompson and, and obviously Mark Chipman. I'm a huge fan of Mark. I've known him a very long time. Um, he's been an amazingly successful guy, and I don't think they'd have an NHL team there if it wouldn't be for Mark Chipman. So right. um, the fact that Commissioner Bettman went there I think is positive. What was a little bit different this time around, they announced that Bill Daly went with him. And so, you know, that's an interesting thing because there's a lot of other stuff going on in the NHL. And Bill's obviously a really busy man. Commissioner Bettman's a busy man. Um, But the fact that they went in there with two people rather than one, um, I think they wanted everybody to know the league's serious about staying there. Yeah. They're not not messing around. And I think that's a positive thing for the fans there. But. Just to be fair, and we talked about Quebec the other couple last couple days. Mm-hmm. They're about the same market size. Yeah, that's just, what I was going to ask you. That's the, that's the problem, Jimmy. That's mm-hmm. that's the problem. And so I don't think the league wants to go down this road again. And they're going to do everything they can to make Winnipeg, you know, viable. But they got to get that season ticket base back up to thirteen. They really have to. But Pierre, you know, when you're your team like that and you're in a position like that in a, in a smaller market and look, uh, the economy isn't that great right now. The Canadian dollar is not good. Uh, taxes, what have you. Like there's so many 
outside circumstances or factors, we'll use that word again, that, that really play a role here that you can't control as, as the league or as the team or both. Like they, they don't have any control over that. And so I just feel like I think it is good that he sent a positive message, but they're kind of at the mercy of circumstances that they have no control over right now. And you don't know when it's going to get better. So it's, it's good. I like the positive vibe that Bettman presented there, but I'm like you, I'm not optimistic right now. I'm not, I'm not negative, but I'm somewhere in between as to, you know, what's going to happen here in the next year or two with the Winnipeg Jets. But the other thing I look at too, Pierre, and this is kind of off topic, but I, I found it interesting in Bettman's speech or fireside chat, they called it, that he had with the media. He promised that Winnipeg would get an in-person draft. Now, why is that interesting to me, Pierre? What if we've talked about this on our show and we're both against it, but the NHL after this year, after the draft in the, at the sphere is deciding to go remote for their drafts. There weren't, won't be any more in-person drafts. That's the last we know of it. That was the last announcement they made. Uh, is there something he knows that we didn't, or did he maybe misspeak? I don't know. And I wouldn't even try to speculate on that. Um, but what I would say is, is that, positive news for Winnipeg Jet fans because we do have a lot of Winnipeggers that watch this. Um, Mark Scheifele was signed to a long-term deal and an extension. Connor Hellebuck was signed to a long-term deal and an extension. So it's not like ownership doesn't care. Mm -hmm. It's not like they don't see this franchise being viable. But the reality is you still have to get the ticket sales to the point where it's going to be successful. And I'm a huge fan of the market. Coached a lot of games there over the course of my career. Uh, I was telling Jimmy before, one of the great places in, in the National Hockey League when I was coaching was a place called the Palomino Club. It was an awesome place. Everybody went there after games. Everybody did. The home team, the visiting team, it was great. The Palomino Club was awesome. And so everybody has fond memories uh, of Winnipeg, especially the visiting teams. And you look at some of the great players that have played there over time. You know, whether it's Team Mussolini, whether it's Stepo Newman, whether it's Thomas Steen, you know, one of my former broadcast partners, Eddie Olchuk, you can go down the line. They, they've had – Phil Housley was there. They've had a lot of great players. Dale Howardchuk. You know, you look at all the great players they've had over their, over time. It's a tremendously viable hockey market. It's just the economy's tough. The population base isn't huge. And they got to do business in U.S. dollars, not in Canadian dollars. It makes it tough. It really does yeah. make it tough. I wonder, too, Pierre, like I know, you know, when we had uh... – we had some other people on. They've talked about how close it is to the, you know, we had John Liu on. And he talked about how close it is to the U.S. border. How much do you think, like, maybe maybe make a little more effort to, to bring some of those fans up from the U.S.? Is that, you know, would that be a smart move to kind of have a concerted effort to bring in more fans from, uh, from right over the border? They've tried that, and they're still trying to. You know, one of the things, you trade Jacob Trubo away, and you put him in New York, and you get Neil Pionk back. And Neil Pionk's a northern Minnesota kid. That's just one example. Yes. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is – and this isn't, again, trying to be too provincial on this. Mark Chipman's really tight with the people at University of North Dakota. You know, okay. and, and so that's an unbelievable – as you know, we had Coach yep. Perry on. Yep. That's a gigantic program. You know, it's not that far – from Winnipeg. In fact, if you're going to Grand Forks outside of landing there at the airport, you land in Winnipeg and you drive in. And I've done that many times too. 
So, you know, I do think they're trying, you know, I think they're trying to get people from Northwestern Ontario. I think they're from the Fort Francis Thunder Bay area. I think they're trying Dryden, Ontario. They're mm -hmm. trying to get people from Northern North Dakota. They're trying to get people from Northern Minnesota. I think they're trying to get people from Eastern Saskatchewan. So, I mean, there's a lot that I think they're trying to do. Um, Again, I just think it comes down to the economy. Just comes yeah. down to the economy. One final thing there, too, Pierre, is you were talking, it came into my head there. You know, the trade deadline is a week from Friday. Uh, the Jets, you know, are in the thick of things uh, to compete. Mm -hmm. They could go on a run, you know. Yep. And I wonder, you know, with with everything that's going on in terms of what we just discussed, uh, does Chevy maybe, you know, maybe he wasn't planning on going out and getting a big fish at the, or a really – impact type player that maybe that changes it and says, Hey, we need a little run here in the playoffs to kind of get the fans back in before the off season. So that's the most fresh thing in their mind when it comes time to buy tickets for next year, just something to throw out there. No, it's good that you throw it out there. I'm not sure they need the big fish solution. Mm -hmm. I think they need the, what do we oh, need the most? Uh -huh. What's the thing? We, is it a depth defenseman? Is it a third center? Is a depth winger. Like, what is it we need? I, I'm not sure they need to go big game hunting. They got a lot of big game there. Okay. You know, not enough well, people. Around, I'll give you an example, Jimmy. If you just brought, I don't know, 10 hockey fans and say, name me three forwards on the Jets. I'm going to say most of them would say, you know, Mark Shifley. I think some people would say, you know, Kyle Connor. Mm -hmm. How many people would say Nick Ehlers? Not a lot. People forget Nick Ehlers even he's there. A great player. So he's a great. So I'm just saying, like they, I don't think they need to go big game hunting. I just don't yeah. think they do. Josh Morrissey, Jimmy, I'm just telling you right now. Everybody's, oh yeah, yeah, we know how good he is. We, I don't think that many people know how good he is. No, I don't. Outside, I of that really don't think they yeah. do. When we had Johnny Lou on, we asked him about him. Yeah, you and I watch all their games. Like yep. this guy's really good. He is steady. Let's Very just steady. Say, let's just say we took him. And air dropped him into New York. Oh, and had him play with. We'll we'll talk to John Scott about this, yeah. and just drop him in and say, you know what, Josh, you're going to play with Adam Fox. Yeah, or you're going to play with Jacob Truba. Mm -hmm. What do you think people would be saying about yeah. Josh Morrissey? He'd be a rock star. Hundred percent rock star for sure. Well, speaking on John Scott, he is with us now. We're going to bring him in right now. Hey guys. Hey, how are we doing? Welcome to the eye test, Johnny. Johnny. Hey Pierre, how's it going, fellas? Sorry, oh, I'm a little so great. Good to see you. Good to see you. My wife's you. under the weather, so I was holding down the fort with the kids today. I snuck out to do your guys' call. Oh, so how many do you have? Six or seven? Seven with one on the way. Eight. Oh wow. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Boys, girls, how many boys, girls? Uh, all girls so far. All girls. God bless. Wow. Yeah. Doing my part, repopulating the world. <laughs> they got they got the softest daddy known to man. They do. He's such I, a nice man. No, I'm not saying it because Johnny's here. We talked about this, Jimmy. Yes. Maybe one of the nicest men that ever played in the league. Thank you, Pierre. I appreciate yeah. it. We gotta keep that quiet though. I got a reputation. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up, guys? I hear you talking about Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. You know, tough situation there, but like we said, such a great market. We want to see them succeed, John. You've played there in the past. Just your take on what's going on there. Well, Pierre nailed it. I think it's the economics of the situation because they have put a good product on the ice for the last 10 years since they've been in Winnipeg, and they just can't seem to maintain the fan base. And it's just 
people maybe don't have the money to scrape together a couple tickets at the Jets games right now. So yeah, it is what it is, man. It, you got a small market. You got to have money to go to the games. So yep. you can't, you know, give people money to go to the games. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Pierre? Well, I want to, before we get into Matt Rempe and all the stuff that John's familiar with, I think we should pay homage to where John went to school, Michigan Tech. He was a great Please. Husky. Yeah. And one, Johnny, I got to tell you, used to go there a lot. And one of the great restaurants in Houghton is Swomey. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to go there. And the last time I was there, I saw Bob Goodnow in there. And I thought it was going to be fisticuffs right away at the door. <laughs> and we ended up having the nicest breakfast ever in Swomey. Tell us about your time at Tech and in Houghton and how important Northern Michigan's been to you, the whole part of the state. Well, met my wife there. I still live in Northern Michigan in Traverse City where she was born and raised. So I, I go up to Houghton all the time. I have a great relationship with Michigan Tech. I have still all these things are Michigan Tech up there because I, I still I go to the GLI every year and watch Michigan Tech take on State and Ferris and whoever they invite. So. I love that part of the country. That was a huge part in getting me to the NHL because, Pierre, you probably saw me in college. I was just really? a mess. You know, I, I was a lot of work in progress, and they worked on me every single day. And um, I, I still go back there all the time. And I, it's just a, one of the untouched places in the state still where you can go and just relax and go to the woods and just have a, have a good time. So it's a beautiful spot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I love going up there. It's it's probably more hospitable in the spring and the fall and the summer than <laughs> but it's okay average snowfall i think they get is 35 feet every winter so it's you got to embrace it it's not for anybody like yeah. you, you go to school and the snowbanks are higher than me so it's <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> not even kidding not I even know. kidding like it's nuts uh, Do, i want to know what just explain how value you mentioned that that played a role in getting you to the pros how valuable was playing college hockey for you and what do you think of the direction that the game is going in now it was super valuable. I actually tried out for the St. Michael's majors. I was drafted there in the 13th round and I made the team out of camp. And I didn't know this, but my dad um, went to the coach's office and the coach said, listen, John made the team. He'll probably be our seventh, eighth defenseman. He might work himself into the lineup. And my dad said, no, I'm going to pull him. And I had no idea this happened until like five years ago. If I would have went to the OHL, I would have just kicked around and just kind of been a goon maybe and not developed my game but in college it's so great you get to practice for five days and you play two games and you practice for five more mm -hmm. so for guys like me who didn't have that initial you know skill level to go right to the nhl or to the ahl it was massive and I, th I think you're seeing more guys go that route because it's more enjoyable it's less pressure you can work on your game and then at the end of the day i like i got my mechanical engineering degree i'm sitting in my mechanical engineering office that I do my nine to five Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, that this is my job that I do. And mm -hmm. hockey is kind of a separate thing. So it, it was great for me to do that. And um, it just gave me the, just the time to work on myself and become a better person, not just on the ice, but That's off great. the ice. And I met my wife and here we go. Now I got eight kids. You guys it's crazy. Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, get that on tape and make sure you send it out. Oh, John, yeah. that was so well said. That was awesome. Yeah. That, that was just Get that on, on campus. So true and so honorable that you would actually bring that up the way you did. And, and to me, the biggest thing is what you accomplished. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. They were going to typecast you, as I think you know. They were. Mm-hmm. And you end up developing your game and having a 10-year career that you probably would not have had had you not gone that direction. No, I probably would have had maybe, maybe a cup of coffee in the AHL, you know, gooned around a little bit. But you have to have some talent to play in the NHL. You have to be able to skate and shoot and pass, especially nowadays. Yeah, with the But cap. that's why I was able to, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but – me and Revo were the last two, you know, dogs standing at the end of the day. All the other guys kind of fell off, and I was able to stick around a little bit longer, one or two more years, just because I could catch a pass, make a pass. I wasn't a defensive li- liability on the ice, and that was learned at Michigan Tech and being able to play hockey. Like, I was their 1A defenseman. Like, I was a shutdown guy. You mentioned North Dakota. I played against Matt Parisi and Jonathan Taves in North Dakota, shutting those guys down. And yeah. I, I learned that, you know, in at Michigan Tech. So it, it definitely helped. Great stuff. John, let, let's uh let's get into that Rempe situation though now because I did see your your tweet or one, your co-host tweet that you reached out to him. How did that go? Yeah, we've been it's funny how uh, the internet works. We've been messaging back and forth now, me and Matt. And um he's he's a cool kid, just really down to earth, and he just seems to I just told him to not get caught up. In, in the noise. I was in New York when Lynn Sanity happened. So I, I know how New York gets and they just grab a hold of something and there's like a dog on a bone. Yep. And he, he seems to understand like it's exciting. It will go away, but embrace it, have fun with it, but just focus on hockey. So I was just, you know, talking to him about that and giving him a few tips on fighting. I'm obviously tall. He's a big <laughs> guy. How to use your reach. I don't think he's doing it well right now at all. I think he's relying mm-hmm. on just his aggressiveness and size and, he could be a force out there if you really did learn how to fight the correct way. As crazy as that sounds, there is a right way to do it. 100%. And um, I don't think he's doing it right now. And if he keeps doing it the way he's doing it, he will have a short career because he'll get knocked out a couple times and that'll be the end of his career. So yeah, just trying to, you know, he's, he's me 15 years ago. You know, I, I was yeah. this green kid coming in and I had Derek Bugard kind of take under my, his wings and he just, taught me how to do it the right way and, and utilize your size. And he doesn't have that. So I just kind of reached out and said, you know, try to do this, try to do that. And that's awesome. he was receptive. Yeah. Can you, John, take us inside the mindset of a player that knows it's they're going into the Coliseum and there's 18,000 people against your team and you're going to have to buckle up and what that day is like before you actually get to the rink. Can you take people inside the mindset of that? The days leading up to it, Pierre, are way worse than the actual fight itself. It's yeah. it's the mind games you play with yourself, the the preparation, the the worry, the the self doubt, those sorts of things. Where I'm going to get beat up on national TV, mm-hmm. it, it's it's stressful. And um, I, I never used to sleep going into a fight. And I've talked to other fighters, the George LaRocks, those guys, and they they felt the same way. The the release once the gloves come off, it's it's euphoric. It's like finally here we go. Like this is just this is the fun part. Yeah, the actual fighting was great. Loved it. It's the day and a half leading up to it. It's like 
I got to go fight Brian McGratton tonight. Yeah. I got to fight Colton Orr. I got to go into Edmonton and Steve McIntyre's there. I got to go into, you know, George Peros and Evenons and Kochi. Like it was just the murderer's row on the West Coast. And 100%. it's stressful, stressful yeah. doing that. So it's uh, it's not for the faint of heart. That's why you see a lot of these guys and God bless them. They're past now, but it wears on you mentally and you, you have to have a release. And if you don't have a good support system, it, it's it's very difficult. How important is it, especially in Rempe's case right now, where he's a rookie, he's just starting off, and like we just mentioned, I mean, if he keeps up at this rate, it's going to be a short career. Mm-hmm. How important is it for his teammates, his coaches, the team to you know, make it clear to him, like, yes, we want you to be able to do this job for us, but you don't have to every single time you're out there. Is it, you look at how young he is right now. I think to get that message across, because – like you said, he's getting caught up in the hoopla, and it's hard not to. Yep. How how much does a team have to play a role in this to kind of, I don't say slow things down, but moderate it? I think it's huge, and you mentioned Jacob Truba. I think he's the one guy on that team who could pull him aside and just say, hey, yeah. like we know you're tough now. Like You've proved yourself. You went against three of the top five guys in the league. Well, two of the top five guys in the league, Yep, and you, mm-hmm. and you did pretty well. So let's just pump the brakes. I, I I don't want to slight Matt, but I think the fight versus Olivier was unnecessary. And I think it cost his team. Yeah. And Columbus gained momentum and they win that game because of that fight. But uh, like you've proven yourself, you've proven your worth. And now we can go ahead and play hockey and maybe pick your spots a little bit better. We still want you to fight and be aggressive, but maybe not every, not every game. Like yeah. we, we need to pick our spots better. And I, I had Owen Owen sit me down and do the same thing. Cause in uh-huh. Minnesota, I thought the only thing I could do is just go out there and scrap. You know, yeah. I, I got to go out there and fight everybody. So mm-hmm. I was asking everybody in, in pregame during the national anthem, I'm screaming like, who's, who's going, let's go. And cowboy sat me down. He's like, we know you're tough. Like, let's just yeah. play hockey. Like just focus on the game. We'll let you know when you, when you need to fight. So yeah, Truba or somebody should do that with uh, Matt. John, I'm going to tell you something that I told Jimmy before we came on. And I, you know how much respect I have for you. I was really disappointed in Peter Laviolette, who's a friend of mine, and what he did on on Sunday with Olivier. You're a coach. You know what your kid did on Saturday afternoon in Philadelphia. Yeah. You know. You've been through it. Not an easy place to fight either, Philadelphia. Hard place Mm -hmm. to fight. You know that better or as well as anybody. And then you go into Columbus, and you know Olivier is a professional fighter. He's a tough kid, and he's really good at what he does. And he's licking his chops, ready to go. 100%. Why would you expose your player to that if you're a coach? Yeah, and, and I agree with you. He put him in a bad spot. He should have picked. I know you have first change, and you 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 have to wrestle with that a little bit. I would have told him not to fight. Don't say yes. There's no need to. Before the game, just say, Matt, your hands busted up. I know you battled last night. Don't fight. Just say no. There's no there's no you know bad thing about saying no. And I've had coaches tell me that too. Teddy yeah. Nolan in Buffalo he said, "Don't fight that guy." When I got knocked out by Justin Johnson yep. before the game, he's like, don't fight him. I didn't know who that kid was, and I didn't listen to him, and I got beat up. So yeah. coaches, they should know better because this – obviously, Rempe, he's on a high. He just, in my opinion, won the fight versus Delorier, who's a he huge did. heavyweight. Right. And yep. so he's like, I'm untouchable. And yeah. so, yeah, I agree with you. There should have yeah. been a conversation that, that should have been had before the game. Like, if we need you to fight, I'll let you know. You can – you know, ease into the game, get a period under your belt. Because Olivier, he said it after the game. I knew what I was going to do. I, I yeah. did my homework, and I'm not going to, you know, give up my secrets now. So he knew exactly how he was going to, you know, 
confront that fight. And he, the guy, the guy's a killer too. So yeah, it, it, you're right. It shouldn't have actually happened. He should have pulled him aside before the game. And how much do you have to address the pride factor too, in terms of you not wanting to back down and not looking like, Oh, he, he wussed out or so what, you know, like how much do you have to address that with the player as well? It's huge because he's still trying to make his mark. It was his fifth game. So he doesn't want to come off as a guy who's not, you know, stepping up to the plate, but that's where that assurance factor has to come in from either Truba or the coach and saying, we know you're tough. Like you're you're not going to lose minutes by not saying yes. That's yeah. that's what Rempe's thinking. He's saying, if I don't fight yeah. this guy, I'm I'm going back to Hartford. Yeah. So you need the coach to say you're here. You're not going anywhere. You're good. So it's it's that conversation never happened. Obviously. Yeah. You've had so many great moments in your career. I can tell you, one of my favorites was watching you in Nashville at the All Star Game, just with your wife, with the children, the way you carried yourself, the respect the fans showed you. But the thing that meant the most to me, John, that weekend was the respect the player showed you. Mm-hmm. What did that mean to you? Uh, again, nerve-wracking. Um, I didn't know what to expect coming into that locker room, and you nailed it. I, I had no clue how the players were going to respond. I knew a couple guys in the room. I knew Pavs and Burnsy just because I played with them. But like, mm-hmm. who knows how Sedin and all those guys and Taylor Hall and Quickie are wow. going to – you know, respond. And they were great. I walk in that room and everybody was, just, it was just normal. It was a locker room. And I, I will never forget Taylor Hall after the game, we won everything. We're just kind of in the change room. He goes, that was the most fun I've ever had. And I, it was great. You nailed it. And I'm glad you were here. And that, that one moment was just, it trumped everything else. The, the million bucks, the car, the accolades, everything else, just that one superstar saying, I'm glad you're here. This was a lot of fun. Jimmy, so cool. before you – sorry, John, keep going. I apologize. Sorry no, I just said for him, he was a young kid. For him to say that was just yeah. – it was really neat. So one of our good friends, John, is Doc Emmerich, and he's mm-hmm. a gigantic fan of yours. And when we had him on this show, one of the first things he says is one of my most memorable moments is when you interviewed John Scott in Nashville at the All-Star mm-hmm. Game and how much it meant to him just listening to you That's and how much respect he garnered for you coming out of that – I, I still remember, you know, you do over 2,000 games. You've been in the league for 34 years if you're me. And then you do that and you say, I'll never forget that. There's lots that you do forget. That's yeah. one I will never forget. And Doc well, Emmerich will yeah. never forget it either. I it appreciate awesome. that. Yeah, you guys are legends, obviously, in the game. And I was just – I was on cloud nine. I, I still, like – I'll go back. I'll be honest and look at the video sometimes. (laughs) When you're in it, you don't really take it in and you don't remember it. So I'm like, uh, let's go look up that. And it's just, it's just overwhelming even to watch it to this day. When I need my ego boost, I'm like, "Uh, let's go check out 2016. (laughs) Yeah. When the daughters start getting after you, I know. Come on. They they expect me to bring a car home now. Every trip I go on, like, (laughs) where's the trophy in the car? (laughs) Let's just relax. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's good. good. That's funny. Look, you got the uh, jersey back there too. I think is that. Oh uh, yeah, I know. All my stuff is in storage, so that's actually the jersey I wore on the ice. But nice. uh, I've been in you know small house purgatory for a while. I've been trying to build a house, but it's just it's it's not getting cheaper, and so it's yeah. so hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get the other jerseys one day. So what? Uh, how's this podcast going? It looks like you're really, really having a ball there, huh? It's fun. I've been doing it for three. The, it's funny how uh, the reason I did it, I, I wanted to go and work for a, a broadcast studio. So I was in talks with Sportsnet and TSN and these other places, and even a couple teams. The the Golden Knights, they were a startup team. I was going to maybe do their color or pre and post. And my wife's like, uh-huh. "You're staying home." 
I'm not letting you leave. And so we just started the podcast and it's just, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. I get to keep talking to players and talk to, you know, great guys like you. And it got me the job with the Blackhawks. I now work with the Hawks. I'm doing pre and post, which has been fantastic. We just did the Chelios Jersey rafter thing. And it was, I tell you what, you want to, you know, you mentioned the Palomino, you want to go to a party. There was like Pearl Jam (laughs) playing Pierre after the game. Sidney Crawford was there. All these celebrities nuts. He knows everybody, eh? Oh, it's crazy yeah. how many celebrities were there. Like, just yeah. his role. It happens is, when you hang out in Malibu, California. You get right. to meet all those folks. Just, there's no those in Traverse City. Outside of Chicago, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Houghton in Traverse City doesn't carry the same weight. No, I was just going to say. So you're talking about your job with the Hawks. I wanted to go down that road with you, too. Yeah. I think you've done outstanding work there. And uh, I'm so pleased Thank for you. you and your family. How good is Connor Bedard? <sighs> He's the real deal. That yeah. for what he's doing and the amount of attention and you watch him, Pierre, the thing that is remarkable is everywhere he goes, he's, you know, number one threat. And so every team, that's all, if he gets the top deep pairing, he gets yep. the checking forwards and all they try to do is stop him and he still produces. And I, I can, I'm excited for when he gets no offense to Nick Foligno and Philip Kurashev and those guys, mm-hmm. when he gets some talent to play with him, who can keep up with him. That's when you're going to see a real scary guy. I, I, I agree with that. Jimmy, I wanted to ask John one other question about Chicago. <laughs> Do you think it's ever – because trade deadline's coming up. I'm not saying he's getting traded. Do you ever think Seth Jones says in the back of his mind, maybe I need to go somewhere else before this ends? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Because if you look at his contract, it's kind of ending when they start to compete. Exactly. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he's been having a great season, a very yes. quiet season. I've been watching him. He's jumping up in the rush. He's being active, and he's his his offensive game is starting to come around where it wasn't there at the beginning of the year. So mm-hmm. he's nine and a half million, though. I think that's the question mark. Maybe the Hawks eat okay. some of that, but it, absolutely. And the, the Chicago does have a lot of good young defensemen coming up. Kevin mm-hmm. Korchinski's been really well, and oh, Alex yes. Vlasic is a good young defenseman. I yeah. think will be really good in the years coming forward because he's. Again, my size, but big tall up. guy, but doesn't have your jam. He doesn't have no, your no, no, no. Doesn't need my jam. The kid's, <laughs> the kid's gonna be on the power play. He, he's uh, uh he's really good, Pierre. Like really, really yes. good. So I watch him at BU a lot. I watch them at BU a lot. He's so they guy. have some good young guys in the system where I think they could get rid of Seth, but gosh, he still plays twenty eight minutes a game. You know, it's maybe, maybe I don't know. That'd be a tough, uh, tough trade for them to pull off right now. I think. Yeah. Yeah, what do you what do you see them doing though heading into the deadline? Uh, Nothing. They they re-signed everybody. I, that's what I was gonna say. It was like that. There goes that. <laughs> I was shaking my head a little bit at these, and I, I talked about it on air. It's like what Mrazek, Felino, Dickinson. They they re-upped yeah. all of them. So I I don't understand the reasoning behind it. But those three have been fantastic this yeah. year. But boy, oh boy, you could have gotten a first for Dickinson. You could have gotten you know a second for Peter, but. He has a plan. Kyle Davidson is a good GM, so I, I'm going to trust him. But yeah, they call him Blackwell. Maybe he, mm. he he's a valuable piece that could be yep. a good depth spot for a team. Yeah. But they got nobody. <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, Jimmy, the one question we got to ask the big man is: You saw Taves. You played against him, and you teammates with him. Yeah, right. You saw Kane. Teammates played mm-hmm. against him. Are you surprised that Patrick's still bringing it like he is? To, to be honest, I am. I, mean, yeah. I, I didn't know how he was going to come back from that injury. You know, hips are, are a tricky thing. Mm-hmm. 
he looks great. I just he watched does. the verse the last game versus the Hawks, and he looks fantastic. Like he's he looks good. like when I played with him. His jump is there, mm-hmm. his passion is there, and he's still he's got those hands, man. Like he his fear factor is zero. He's going, <laughs> like backhand sauced east west. He doesn't even care. Larkin screaming down the wing. It's just fun to watch him play, but that Detroit team is starting to yeah, they're scary. Out. They're good. 100%. Really well said. Really well said for a while, man. But they're coming. They're they're they here. are. I wouldn't want to match up with them in the East. I tell you yeah, that. Like, hey, no. Gossip Spare and Cider, they got some D men too who can play the game. So. They have a kid. They have a kid not far from you in Grand Rapids, Simon Irvidson. You'll yep. see. He's a, he's going to be a superstar in the league. He's yeah, they be will, yeah. Bit, he's going to be a superstar. Stevie's done a good job. I hate to say it because I've been I've been critical of him for the last couple of years. He's 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 really turning some heads here. Is, is coming to fruition. Hey, yeah. back to Patrick Kane though. So you know, I'm sure it was talked about that night, and mm-hmm. you know, after he scores a winner, what would it be like to see him back in Chicago playing on a line with Connor Bedard? You just talked about putting talent next to him. You think it could ever happen? Him, Bedard, and Celebrini, the the three. <laughs> Imagine that! Oh my god, just spin. It'd be pretty fun. I don't know. I I, I feel like they, they they need to keep moving forward. Did you hear what came out of that weekend? There was an option for Chelios to go back to Chicago in 2010. I heard that, yeah. Kenny Holland offered him a trade, and he said, "I don't yeah. want to." Imagine yeah. that, because there was a soupy. Brian Campbell was hurt. Yep, and he was going to be the backup. So I the reasoning too. I love the reasoning where he said he, he didn't want to overshadow. Yeah. yeah, I would and have he, gone and taken that cup in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Number four, that's right. Yeah, but um, I think Kane, depending on how it goes in Detroit, I I, I think he'll finish up in Detroit. He seems to yeah. like it there. I, I, he likes the guys and. I don't think I think again it would be just a lot of pressure to go back there and yeah. overshadow Bedard maybe, but you never say never. But I, yeah. I don't think it's in the cards right now. No, I hear, I hear. John, all the guys you had to square up and do your business with, was there one you said, "Man, oh man, this guy's just got it going on," and I don't ever want to do this again with him. <laughs> um, it's funny the one guy I always had trouble with Cam Jansen just because yep. he just was so short, but I always won the fight. Um, I would say, uh, strangely enough, it was Matt Karkner. I, I could never handle Matt, and other guys had an easy time with it. He would just come out and throw the hardest punch to start the fight always. And I was never a guy to dodge punches. I just punch me, and I'll punch you. That's how it worked. And he yep. would bury me, Pierre, every fight, wow. right in the face. And I would just... It, I would stun me and I would have to compose myself and then away we went. But he, that guy, I just, I could never bring myself to just like move my head, like just a little bit. Like, okay. He, I, I knew he was going to throw the big right. Yeah. And I wasn't yeah. smart enough just to move it I, he, yeah. right down main street. So he well, was the I, one guy. Yeah, I don't think people, Jimmy realized what John just said. Like that guy, he's Matt Kartner's a big man. He's not oh, a yeah. small guy. I mean, John's a gigantic person. Yeah. You that's almost fighting your peer, right? He was like six four, six five, yeah. two forty. Yeah, he's, he's a, a big, big man, big man, big man. He would dominate the NHL now. He would yeah, absolutely. I, dominate I agree with. Yeah. I agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, he's a tough kid. Hey, finally, before we let you go, and you know, one thing we've talked about in this show before too is just the kind of to some people they'll think it's an oxymoron is that the the fighters and the enforcers in the league seem to always be the best guys, like the nicest guys, mm-hmm. and a lot, you know, off the ice. I'm saying, and yeah. just. What do you make of that phenomenon and, and, and just how that happens? 
it is strange because I, I agree. I just think you have to embrace the role. You, you know, you're not playing many minutes. You're out of the lineup a lot. And you just have to have almost a happy-go-lucky personality to last. If, if you're serious and you're locked in, you wouldn't make it because you would just drive yourself crazy by not playing all the time. Right. I embrace the fact that I sat more games than I played. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you're you're paying me hundreds of thousands of dollars to just get ripped. And just sit in a hot tub in a sauna and do that. It was like a spa day. I would tell my wife, I'm like, going to the spa, I'm coming back with probably 10,000. I'll see you in a couple hours. And it was just like a, a joke, but it was still serious because I knew my job. But you have to be able to just realize your situation. I play with a lot of guys who, you know, couldn't, couldn't handle being on the fourth line and third line. They felt like they were deserved more. Yeah. And they either mad at themselves or mad at the coach. And if you mm-hmm. have that attitude, you're out. Yeah. You, they don't want you rocking the boat when you're a third and fourth line guy. You have to be good for the team, good in the locker room, and just a, a nice guy to be around. So tough guys who stuck around, they got that. Yeah. There's beauties. Like, yeah, you go to any charity good. events. They're always the greatest guys. They're always doing the charity. It's unreal. Yeah. Well, and stuff. we need the money, too. So, like, uh, <laughs> that's why. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> We didn't make the five small year. Uh, and it's all, a lot of it's stuff we never hear about too, you know, and that, that really shows you the character they had. They're not doing it to seek attention. So yeah. I always mm-hmm. respected that. Hey, John, thanks a lot for taking the time, man. We appreciate it. I know you're going to get back to uh, the girls there. Changing but- diapers. Yeah. Back at it. <laughs> you got a full team plus an extra goalie. There you it's go. It's awful. It's great. I love it. Keep up the great work, Johnny. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was thank outstanding. You so much. Thank no, you, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Have a good thanks, one. We'll buddy. see you. All right, that's former NHL John Scott. You can check him out on Dropping the Gloves uh, podcast, as well as, like he said, he does pre- and post-games for Chicago Blackhawks broadcast. Man, he's one of the uh, most well-spoken, smartest players I've ever met covering the game, Pierre. He really is. Oh, he's, he's a mathematics guy, number one. Number two, he earned his degree at Michigan Tech. His wife's highly cerebral as well. Um, but I just remember when he broke in and he was kind of a phenom at the time. Cause you're looking at him going, can he really play? Mm-hmm. He actually could play and, yeah. and he could shut people down. He was a way underrated defender. Um, and coaches weren't afraid to play him at key times in games. Cause they knew he was trustworthy. Lindy Roth did that a lot. Yeah, like yeah no, he, they yeah. trusted him, you know? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it, the biggest thing is, he was feared, there's no question, because he understood his role. But to me, he was coachable. He was. Just and like he said, he accepted his role, embraced it, instead of saying, oh, I, I should be getting more minutes or I should be that. Like, he didn't. He wasn't entitled at all. He just, No, he yeah. fought for his teammates. It's kind of like Phil Bork. He didn't fight for himself. He fought for his teammates. Yeah. And that's why he was so well-liked everywhere he went. That's why it lasted so long. Yeah, it, I'm yeah. just telling you, when I was there, when he walked into that all-star dressing room, not every, not a lot of media had a chance to be in that room. I was there. Right. It was unbelievable. Like, That's awesome. I'm telling you, it was awesome. And you could see, when I asked him that, you could, like, I knew the answer. Yeah. But I wanted to hear him say it. Yeah. Because it's pretty cool to have seen that and witnessed that. Yeah. It was really you know cool. what I forgot to ask him, Pierre? And I don't think we've addressed this at all. So we can right now, and then we'll uh, we'll hop over to questions or comments. Um, last week, the, uh, the college hockey had a fight in Arizona State. 
Yeah, it was up in Alaska, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was and, in Alaska, yeah. And, and the re immediate reaction, uh, you know, from the masses on social media was, why don't this proves they need to have Kyle Chalky needs to embrace fighting. They need to allow fighting. It's not happening. No. Let's just let's just make that clear. I and, and I'll let you elaborate on it, but I I just don't see that happening. And I'm fine with it not happening. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, no, there's no fighting. First of all, they wear full cages in college hockey. Bingo. So there's really no need uh, for fighting, number one. Number two, that's just not what college hockey's about. It's no. totally different. Uh, pro is different than college. It just is. Pro is different than anything. Yeah. And um, there's no need for that. And I loved what he said, you know, just to take it back in the interview, what mm -hmm. John talked about with Rempe, you mm -hmm. know, was, was huge. I thought it was great. And, and I – just from having coached, um, I was really disappointed with how things played out on Sunday. Uh, I yeah. really was I after know. watching what happened on Saturday. Yep. Um, and I'm not taking a run at Peter. I respect the heck out of Peter. Yeah. But I also think – Everybody makes mistakes. We, yes. There's all miscalculation. Yeah. And I, I wonder if his assistants had said anything to him. Or I wonder if the internal leadership said something. Like, you know what? We got to pay attention to this. I, I mean, I'm not going to share too much, but you know, the one really smart, well, Scotty did so many smart things, but one of the things he did, he'd always solicit opinion from his staff. Some of it he liked and somebody said, ridiculous, get that idea out of here, you know, but he always solicited opinion. Yeah. And when you get to the point as a coach where you're not soliciting the opinion of your staff, chances are, you know, you need a new staff or you need to go somewhere else. Exactly. I'm with you. I, I, I totally agree. And we see at the management level so much, Pierre. I mean, it's yeah. it's rampant sometimes. All right. Let's go over to the comments section. Questions. What I don't I don't think we have any questions right now, but let's uh, let's see what we got. Good old Evan always has one. Evan McLaren says, I was a bad tier three junior player. I'm in OK shape and skate OK, but have hands like feet. Playing first line minutes with Sid as long as I physically survive. How many times has he set me up in one season? <laughs> <laughs> At least once, Evan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just make sure your stick's on the ice and the puck doesn't bounce off your tape. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, he'd set you up a fair bit. He's pretty special, obviously. And you watch him last night. It just it never uh, gets old in Vancouver. Now, you know, the night before we were talking about hockey luck and the Islanders had a ton of hockey luck when they went into Dallas and they yep. won their game yep. in overtime. Yeah. So I'm watching that Pittsburgh-Vancouver game last night. And I'm going, you know, I think I saw this movie last night. 
Yeah. <laughs> in the Islanders. Yep. And this is not a knock on Pittsburgh. Look, take the hockey luck when it comes on your, your way. Exactly. But, you know, I'm watching then I'm watching Carlson scoring overtime and I'm going, yeah, he got a little bit of a New York Islander hockey luck last night in that uh-huh. game. They sure. really did. And by the way, it got worse for Dallas there. I mean, we kind of saw uh, that travel so they were we, having. Did we not talk about this, Jesse? Yeah. All the things you talked about, plus going to altitude. Yep. See you later, Alligator. That's a 5-1 win every day for, for yeah. Colorado. That's it so it's just if one you're of a Dallas Stars fan out there right now, don't don't take too much. Yeah, yeah, don't that. move on. Yeah, they're in a tough part of the year. They're in a exactly. tough part of the schedule. That's all that happens. It's it don't happens. read too much into it. But for, for Pittsburgh last night, I'm watching it. And the guy that you know we talked about yesterday, Tristan Jarry, mm-hmm. put on a show last night. He did. And Pierre, you know, one thing I'll say, you've been uh adamant about pointing out their goal differential and how it pairs up against the teams that are battling for that last mm-hmm. playoff spot right now and how they're ahead of them. And every time you do, and I don't know why I don't mention it before, but it, He's your answer right there. Think about you know how porous that defense has been at times. Yeah. Right. And I'm not talking just about the defense, but I'm talking about team defense. Team defense. Yep. I mean, they don't have that goal differential without him. I'm sorry. Really, really, no, really smart point, Jimmy, by you. And um, I, I would say, you know, obviously they go into Seattle next, and they got to go into uh, Calgary, and they finish in Edmonton. That's a t- that's a hard trip. It's a you know, trip. but. Yeah. You, I think it was you. Yes, two and two is no good. Can't be two and two. No. You got to be three and one, uh, and you can't be one and three. And no. you better not be two and two. So yeah. they started the trip off really well. Um, but you know the, what they haven't done all year, though. What you said, what you said before with John Scott was really good about Detroit. They're not. They're not going away. No, they're here. They're they're here, they're and they're not melting. They're not going to melt. You know, whereas. You look at other teams that are in this position right now. You know, is Philadelphia is going to be able to maintain it? Uh, you know, we don't know yet. Um, is Pittsburgh going to be able to catch up? What's going on with Washington? You know, the melt factor is huge here. Um, yeah. Who's going to be the last man standing? I still believe five teams from the uh, Atlantic are going to make it and only three from the Metro. I told you that the first show we had, and yep. I'm sticking with it. So. Tell me that in August, Pierre. I'm just letting our listeners know before yeah. we're doing this podcast. Pierre, you, you bring up uh, Philly there too. The one thing I'll say about Philly, I, 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 it's not that I don't think they can keep it going. I, I get a feeling, you know, they're and good on them, good on Briere and good on the team, the management and everything to stick with it. I think they are going to stick with their plan, even though they might be tempted to get that extra money at the gate for the playoffs. I don't think they're going to go out of their way to get it and, and secure it. I think they're just they're just gonna ride it in, and and I won't be surprised even with the you know Drysdale being out in the blue line. I'm not gonna be surprised if they move Walker or Sealer or both. It's just they have to keep pushing and stockpiling picks and prospects. That was their goal, and they're sticking with it. That's that's the feel I get. Well, first of all, job well done. I think Keith has gone in there, Jones, and stabilized things yep. in the community. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not talking from a hockey perspective in the community and he's calm and he's cool and he's calculating. So I think that was, he's done a very nice job. Congratulations to him. Yep. Uh, Danny, the jury's still out, but he's obviously done a nice job so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Tortorella, you can't say enough good things about what John has done there. 
So when you look at the key decision makers in the organization, they've had A plus years. They really have, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And I'm with you. I, I don't think they need to go crazy at the trade deadline. If they no. if they planned to move guys, move them. Just make yeah. sure you get the right you know asset value for them. That's all. But no, they're they're really trending up, and I think they've surprised a lot of people. And I think if you're a team that didn't think they were going to be good, and all of a sudden they are, you're saying, "Holy moly, my plan's out the window. I got to adjust to this." Especially mm -hmm. if you're in the metropolitan division. Oh yeah, I don't think anybody thought it was going to happen this fast for Philadelphia. I just they, don't think they did. They put a monkey wrench into a lot of people's uh, plans for sure. They did. They did. I'll tell you. All right, what do we got more for questions here? Eighty-seven Eagles. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you guys for the excellent content you provide, Pierre. My question is: Do you think Hudson is in the same category as McCarr and Fox? Thank you for everything you guys do. No. So I don't think just size-wise he's not with McCarr and acceleration-wise he's not with McCarr. Similarity to Fox, 100% similarity to Fox. Um, the difference is one's a righty, one's a lefty. Um, but Hudson um, can really walk the line. In the offensive zone, he's got better lateral movement than Adam Fox, but he doesn't have better peripheral vision than Adam Fox. Adam Fox's peripheral vision is unbelievable. And neither one of them had the get up and go of what Kale McCarr has. It just he's at another, on another level than everyone else. Another, and it's yeah. not a knock on either guy. Yeah. But I think I think Lane Hudson will play in the NHL, and I think he'll be part of a power play that runs between twenty four and twenty six percent, which is really good. Which is really good. Yeah, and, and you know you watch him a lot, and look, nobody's expecting him to be a defensive stalwart out there, right? Like nobody wants that, but. What does he have to do to improve that 200-foot game to, to really survive in the NHL? Because you can, you, you can have all the talent in the world, but you're going to have to buy into a system whether you, whether you like it or not. So there's a few things if I were working with him. One, his shift lengths would be shorter, so he'd have more strength and cardiovascular awareness. Okay, okay So that would be number one. Number two, defend more with your feet and less with your upper body. His feet are an asset because they're so good but he's trying to defend with his upper body. He's not strong enough to do that. So defend more with your feet. And then the third thing is you got to get in the weight room, man. You got to get stronger. He's mm -hmm. just, I watched him in the bean pot final and obviously Northeastern's a mature team and they had a game plan. There's yeah. no question. Yep. And they've played them tough all year, by the way, they, they've caused problems for BU all year because yeah. of the maturity we're talking about. Jerry Keith's got a mature team there at Northeastern he was trying to defend with his upper body and not with his feet and he's getting pushed around a lot. That can't happen. So yeah. there's just three things, you know, shift lengths, defending with your feet. And the biggest thing is just get stronger, but he on the power play, all that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. The power play he's really good. He's really good. He's a beauty. All right. What's our next question here? David Robinson yes. here. Any memories of Kenny? Oh, I have some memories. Kenny Lindsman and his offense plus how tough he was. Well, for an undersized player at a really tough time in the NHL when it was hard, it was Kenny Winsman was tough. Now, I know his nickname was The Rat, but he got in there. He stuck his nose in there. It could have been in yeah. Philadelphia. It could have been in Boston. could have been in Edmonton. It didn't yeah. matter. That dude stuck his face in there, and he, he was a tough guy. Um, could he give you a jab? Could he give you a bit of a cheap shot? The answer is 100% he could. Yeah, he yeah. could. But it answered the bell. But, he, yeah, no. Yeah. And look at was he as good as Bob Clark? No, he wasn't as good as Bob Clark. Were there similarities? Yes, there there were similarities. Um, and there's a reason why winning teams wanted Kenny Linsman around. There's a reason why. Because yeah. he could help you take it to the next level. 
Um, but yeah, no, I remember him very well. And yeah, he is a smart cat. I mean, he did really he probably did better off the ice financially than he did on the ice back in those days. And very, very successful guy. You know what he does to keep in shape? Probably play, I don't know, tennis. I have no idea. No, he's a surfer. He, he's in California. I know that. He's in well, San Diego. Well, he, still, he still has a house right near us, Pierre. He, he has a place up in oh, Salisbury Beach. Oh, wow. And he surfs. One of my best friends that I grew up with, my friend Jeff, uh, had a house in Seabrook growing up, and they still have it. And it's just a, a bunch of like 40 to 50 to 60-year-olds that get together once a week when he's around here, yeah. and they surf. And Jeff told me, he said, just like you just said, he said, that guy is genius. Like, this, is he's a really guy. smart man, Murph, yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. And I didn't realize. And he said, yeah, and he's very cerebral, very quiet, reserved. But he said, really nice guy. Uh, and, yeah, his son actually is on a pro tour. So that, Oh, wow, that's cool. So I got a quick – you talk about surfing. One summer, um, you know, there were a bunch of guys that were out in California, and I really didn't pay attention. It was the end of the year, and I didn't even talk to them. The training camp started the next year, and I was in their dressing room. Gordon Miller and I were in their dressing room in Anaheim and um, talked to Paul Correa. Mm -hmm. And we were saying, how was your summer? He goes – I'm in the best shape of my life. And we're like, really? You're always in good shape. Like, I know I'm in better shape. I'm like, really? What'd you do? You know, we think he's going to run in the Ural mountains or something, you know, we're waiting yeah. for him to tell us some crazy story. He goes, I surfed all summer. And he said, part of the group with Rob Blake was in the group. Timus yeah. was in the group. Oh. I was in the group. All these guys did was surf and they were like yeah. an unbelievable shit. Yeah. You know who else surfs? Greg Cronin, and you've seen the shape. Yeah, he's Cronin, in. phenomenal shape. Yeah, that's that's why he took that up a while back, and uh, he's, he uses it to get in shape. But it's also to him, it's it's just good mental therapy as well. But a lot of hockey players surf, and I remember Crow telling me, I mean, you think about the muscles they're using, right? You're paddling out, how you have to get up on the board. A lot of them the same muscles you're going to use in hockey. So it's yeah. uh, it's. But I remember Paul Paul Korea telling Gordon I that, and I was really impressed. I was like, "Wow!" And then you see the seasons. Like Blakey had a great year. Team who always had great years. Paul, great didn't time, have, baby. <laughs> Paul didn't have too many bad years. So you know, pretty good. He did it. All right, let's go to the next question. Mike, when all is said and done, will Austin Matthews have the most goals in NHL history? I. I Right now, it seems unattainable, but I don't think it's the craziest question that people think it is. I no, think it's just hard to speculate this yeah. far. I mean, could he? Of course he could, yeah. as long as he stays healthy. But what's the state? What's it going to be the state of the Toronto Maple Leafs in three years? Mm -hmm. You know, um, nobody knows that. I mean, does Austin does stay there? Does he move yeah. to Arizona? I, I don't know. So yeah. does he have the potential to do it? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I, I would say of all the players that are playing in this generation, I think he has the best chance to do Me that. Me too. I'm with you. You know, I would, I'm would. i more comfortable saying that. Yeah. And where would they be without him, Pierre? You've been saying. Oh, they wouldn't be in a playoff position. I know nope. that. Nope. All right. Next question. Mike Resnick. Pierre, what players were you sure would become good players that others were doubting? And what player thought what player you thought would be really good and wasn't? Well, that's a hard-hitting question. It's a fair question. Uh, one of the guys, you probably, you'd have to look it up on Hockey DB, but one of the guys I knew right away in the 1990 draft was going to be a really good player was Ian Moran. Uh, we drafted Ian as an undersized defenseman out of Belmont Hill. He ended up going to Boston College. He played in the World Junior, played 11 years, 11 years 
as I think he was a seventh round pick. He might have been in late sixth. Played eleven years in the NHL. I mean, that, that's to me. So I was gun sure that he was going to be a really good player, and I'm really proud of that selection in particular over all the other ones. Um, there was, there's obviously some that there. I don't want to embarrass anybody. There's one player. Yeah, I don't want to embarrass anybody that didn't make the grade, but. I'd say there was one that I remember we took, I'm going to say, fourth-round pick. I won't tell you the team. It's too easy to track down. <laughs> um, and I thought the guy was going to be money. I thought he was going to be big money, and he cratered. He, that was probably the biggest of all the ones that I've been through. That was probably the biggest disappointment. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I love what John said earlier, too, and just talking about – how good you still have to be, how you have to craft your game to regardless of what your role is, your fourth line or first line to stay in this league. The NHL is the best league in the world. And a lot of people I think don't realize that a lot of guys that played in John's role in the NHL as an enforcer, some of these guys were putting up like a hundred points in juniors pier, you know, and they had to, but they get to the league and it's just not going to happen there. So they have to adapt. So just keep that in mind. Like I know we're always, this world is so quick to criticize. So quick to say, Oh, this guy stinks. Really? He doesn't really stink. He, he, he ripped it up and he's playing in the NHL. Something, there's something good about him. You, you don't just sit in the NHL. If you stink, you just don't. Way to go, Jimmy. I'm so proud of you for saying that. I completely agree. That's why I'm not comfortable saying the guys that have been bitter disappointments. You know, I, I I'll share, share something with our viewers and Jimmy knows I've been asked to write a book by a lot of different people. And I, I told them I'm not prepared at this juncture in my career to do it. And I, I told Jimmy this one thing, and Jimmy can vouch for me. He said, if I write a book and your name's not in it, there's a reason why your name's not in it. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to tell you why you're not in it. You'll know. Yep. You'll know why your name's not yep. in it. Exactly. So I, I prefer just, you know, live life in a good way and, and be happy and support people that you really care about. And that's what we've been trying to do, Jimmy and I, and it's been, this has been fun, man. Yeah, it's great. I'm so loving much. it. Well said, well said, Pierre. All right, next question. Hey, Pierre, what is Jacob Fowler's potential in your mind here? And a lot of different comparisons being thrown out there. Yeah. You know, before you answer, Pierre, who was it? I think it was one of the spit and chicklets guys. might've been uh, Ryan Whitney, who you know well. Um, after they swept BU in that home and home a couple weeks back before the bean pot, he threw it out there. He said, he's Dominic Hasek, he's Patrick Waugh, all wrapped up in one. And it just went viral. And he was only, he's kidding. He was kidding. just like, he's kidding. You know, but everyone ran with it. So I understand why we're getting this question. I just, you know, be careful, everybody, when you, you throw these expectations on players. Uh, he could be. We never know. But we're not going there right now. No, but, you know, we had a great question before, and I apologize. I forget the gentleman's name that asked the question about, you know, guys have been successful that you thought and guys were just yes. – Fowler was a steal when he got drafted. He's a third-round pick, and I'm just telling you, he, he's going to play in the NHL. Yeah. I think he's going to play for a long time. Um, you know, Mike Gaylor's the coach, the goalie coach at, at BC. He's a friend, and he does a great job um, with the goalies there. And we were joking around before they played UMass or Alma Mater. One Sunday afternoon, I was there hanging out with the BC coaches. And I said, hey, how's your goal? He goes, I'm just staying out of the way. I don't want to mess them up. Um, the biggest thing about Fowler, 
that people need to know, you would never know unless you're around them, the composure factor. Yes. He does not get rattled. And that's one of the things, as a young guy playing Division One college hockey, that's all his coaches keep saying. And this guy is unflappable. That game you're referring to, that UMass game, was a perfect example of it. Yeah. That game could have gone either way. He, he did not have his A game as a player. Well, he didn't have his A game, but when it started to become yeah. a roller coaster – he calmed down, he got into it, and he weathered the storm. And, you know, 100%. sometimes to me, that's more impressive than pitching, you know, going with a shutout. That, that to me, is what I want to see if I'm an NHL GM, is how does this kid handle the in-game adversity? You know, when things start to turn away from him and, and it's not going his way, and he bounced back nicely. And, you know, I know it wasn't in terms of stats his best game, but the the determination and the, the focus remains. So I, I like that. I called Jimmy right after that game. I was driving home to have supper with my wife, and I called yep. Jimmy, and I said, Jimmy, like, I, I know the kids, everybody's scrutinizing him, but he didn't have to play great. He had to focus great, and his focus. Exactly. So that's go. the thing that gives me hope. And after hearing the coaches at BC talk about him, I'm not surprised. That's just how he comes across when you watch him. I'll look into it here, too, um, but I'm just wondering if you know. I, I heard, too, on one of those broadcasts recently – that he's got a Canadian's connection. Is that true? Like somebody in his family or something? That I didn't, I'm not aware of. I'm not aware of that, but I mean, I can say this is, you know, Jeff Gordon, obviously he's an American. Ken Hughes lives in the Boston area. Mm -hmm. They're very familiar with the national team development program, both of those guys. And um, so I, you know, I don't know if that's the connection you're alluding to, but I, if maybe he does, I, I, I'm not aware of it. Yeah, I apologize. They were just talking about how he's really excited to get up there and play in such. How a, could you not? A, you know? I, look, I know there's 31 other teams in the NHL. I understand that, but I'm just going to tell you, as a kid that grew up in Montreal, yeah, you got to be like whacked out not to be a Canadians fan if you grew up in Montreal. I'm just telling you, especially when I grew up there. Yeah, it's just. It was different. It was yeah. really different. And, you know, all the great, all the great, uh, you know, coaching jobs that Scotty did or Claude Ruel did and, and you know, uh, Al McNeil, you know, like people forget Al McNeil won the Stanley Cup with the Montreal Canadiens in 1971. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are like, who's Al McNeil? Al McNeil's still alive. Yeah. He works for the Calgary Flames. He's an awesome hockey man. I'm yes. going to say Al's 90. Now, if you're watching, if you're not 90, I apologize. Maybe he's a little older. He, I always got treated so well by him. I have so much respect for those guys. But the Canadians, you knew when you were a kid, even when you were in kindergarten, you knew you were probably going to miss school every spring because there was going to be a Stanley Cup parade. You just exactly. knew. Yep. Well, it was pretty awesome. So for Fowler to be cheering for the Canadians, good for him. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing him up there. All right. Next question. Nick G. Pierre, what's promising in San Jose? I don't see any good prospects in the system. Well, go right to Jacob Fowler's team and tell you about one. We have one that we can talk about. His name's Will Smith, and he's the real deal. Um, Very good draft pick by their scouting staff last year. I don't know, Jimmy, physically, if he's ready to make that jump, but he will be athletically. Yeah. It just comes down to does he have the physical strength? The hardest thing, and this is really important, the hardest thing for a good player coming out of major junior or college, going to play pro with a bad team, is physically being able to deal with it every night. Yep. Because when you're on a good team, 
nobody's matching up on you. Nobody's going to beat you up because there are other guys that got to worry about that are older than you and better than you. Mm-hmm. When you're going to a bad team and you're a focal point player and Will Smith will be a focal point player, it's hard, man. It's just hard to be on a bad team. So I, I don't know what Mike Greer is going to do with him, whether they leave him another year or not, but athletically he's ready to play in the NHL. Yeah, if, if they bring him up, I would put him, I would put him with the Barracuda for a little before you, you bring him in there. I don't see any harm. But don't you think he develops better if they all come back this next year at Boston college oh, with the coaching staff and the strength think, training and only yeah. playing 38 games or 42 games. I just think for that player, yeah, it's better because when he leaves, it's like Kale McCarr. And I told you this story before. I'll never forget. Um, great coach Carvel was so kind to me. I, it, six years ago, I got diagnosed with prostate cancer. And after my surgery, I went right overseas to the Olympics three weeks later. And I remember coach Carvel called me up when I got back from the Olympics. He said, Hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm hanging out. He goes, no, you're not. You're coming up here. I want you to watch my team practice and talk to some of my guys. And I spent you know a day or a little bit longer up at your alma mater in Amherst, yeah. UMass, and got a chance to talk to Kale. And that was after Kale's first year. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. And then, you know, we were talking about do you come back or do you do you go away? And I just remember the line I said to him, I got it, I said, you got a chance to never see the inside of a bus unless you're going from your chartered aircraft to the Ritz Carlton or the four seasons. Or you can go to the American League and see the inside of the bus for maybe four or five months. Mm-hmm. And it's a little different. It's a little different. I'd rather do it the first way than the yeah, second way. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. And by the way, Pierre, next time we're going to Emirates, I got to take you to Antonio's Pizza. I hope you, I don't you always know. keep telling me that, but I don't know. I'm not well, it, you know? well, well, you're going to get, you're going to love it. All okay. right. I'm looking next forward question. to <laughs> Pierre, what was your favorite city to work in ringside? Oh, that's a great question. It so, is. Um, there are a lot of them, and I don't want to do ill will, but really in the prime time of the NBC contract, there was a team in the middle part of the United States called the Chicago Blackhawks, and anytime you went into the United Center, uh, it was awesome. And just whether it was the hotel we stayed at, the JW Marriott, the restaurants mm-hmm. we used to go to, and they were good. Um, it was the time spent around the United Center. Um, just the legends, you know, Bobby Hall was still alive. Stan Mikita was still alive. Tony Esposito was still alive. Yeah. Um, you know, just never, never had a bad trip. Just the, the way Joel Quenville would treat you, the way Stan Bowman would treat you. Uh, earlier on, the way Dale Talon would treat you. So, um, yeah, no, Chicago to me was pretty hard to be better than. It's your kind of time. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you the Frank of, Sinatra, buddy. listen, I had a lot of fun there, Jimmy, over the years. Yeah. And, you know, the best fun I ever had is when we won the cup in 92. And um, I remember we won game three, won nothing. And uh, my brother, Ryan, who's a pretty tough kid, came back. We were staying at the Drake Hotel where most of the team stayed in those days. Huh? And there was a really good bar in the lobby there. And my brother came back and we were sitting there just having a post-game uh, drinking. He goes, I can't believe, dude, you're right on the cusp of winning the Stanley Cup for a second time. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty neat. He goes, I can't believe I'm here. And all of a sudden, like, some guy came in the bar and punched another guy. And I was like, let's get out of here. <laughs> so, I mean, Chicago is a great town, but it's also a tough town. Like, yeah, it is. You know? wow. And I said to my brother, let's get out of here, man. This is bad. 
<laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. All right, let's go. One more question here. Mike, I find it outrageous and embarrassing that Habs fans are angry at Montembeau for doing his job oh, and trying to establish a career in the NHL. I'm right with you, Mike. Like, Jimmy, I know you're so good at this. Just, again, total transparency with our viewers and listeners. I don't do social media. Jimmy's always on it because that's the other mm -hmm. part of his job, and he's really good at it. So whenever something breaks on social media, Jimmy calls me. I, I don't know what you're alluding to, but if that's part of the social media thing, now I know why I'm off it. That's yeah. why I'm, I know I'm off it for a reason. Um, Sam Montebo has done a great job for Montreal. Great story. An what amazing a great story. story. And a good I'm, job by the Canadians to sign him to an extension, yes. by the way. Celebrate it. Celebrate yes. Such what a good thing Because he's winning games for them that they're going to miss a draft pick or slip in the draft. Yeah. Is that what they're mad at? Yeah, basically. I mean. Oh, my gosh. Oh. He's got to do his job. That's all. He's yes. just doing his job. You Take know, it easy, job. folks. Yeah. Take it easy. He's, kid's doing a all great right. job. Well, listen, what a great episode. You have again. more questions? Uh, yeah, we got a couple more questions. Let's, I don't want to leave anybody hanging. Let's take care All of right. it. Let's All right, let's rock and roll. We got time. Yep. Nick G, Pierre, what do you think the Ottawa Senators need to get to the next level? It seems some nights they have it and then fall back the next day. So I'll give you an example. Artem Zub's a really important player. There he is. He's a right defenseman on that team. They need another type of guy like Artem Zub. They need more depth on the right side. Not a knock on Travis Hamannick, who's a tremendous player, has had a fantastic career, but he's getting older. So they need more depth on the right side. That's number one. Number two, they need more consistent goaltending. Um, you know, I don't want to go down the road of how they got certain goalies or whatever. Not my job. I wasn't there when they did what they did. Um, but they need more stability and goal. I think eventually Mad Sogard or Levi Marilainen will be that guy for Ottawa. They're internal guys, so that's positive for Ottawa. They don't have to go out and get it. And then I would say they probably need a little bit more of a rugged dimension And with depth players. They have more than enough offensive firepower, and they have more than enough game-breaking on the back end. The cool thing will be, Jimmy, to see when Tyler Clevin comes up and plays as a big shutdown left defenseman. Um, I think that's going to be important, but they have to add to the right side and they need more consistency and goal. I think here too, they need more leaders. Well, more court, like just. Yeah. It's hard for me. You know how I feel and there's I, stuff we can share. You don't have to say it. I'm I, just going to say yeah. this out there because like, I want to clarify too, because this is another thing that's been blowing up on social media and it's insane is I don't know where it came from, but there's all this talk about trading Brady Kachuk all of a sudden. Hold your horses. What I will say, based on what I've heard and, and what I've learned, is just Steve Stales has just taken a hard look at things. And he could make a move that maybe people don't see coming. But I think what he's doing right now is he he's, he's really done a great job, I think, from what I hear, and you would know better than me, Pierre, just really sitting down with his current coaching staff, utilizing Jacques Martin's experience and, and kind of really getting a feel for what he has. And I think these weeks, you know, once the pressure was kind of lifted off them not to make the playoffs appear and they've just kind of been playing hockey, they're winning. And I, I, I see, I see guys, different players in that team that maybe weren't uh taking it to another mature level that are right now. And I think that's what they're looking for there. And maybe they, they maybe they bring in like a Nick Felino type guy. You know, Nick Felino's not available, but they just had that, him. Uh, hey, 
Dude, they had him. But Don't you know, get me going. Just a guy like that, Pierre. That's all. I, I yeah. think that that would help that that locker room a lot. I think they've got all the skill in the world. They just need more glue. Yeah, someday there's a book story in that. Yeah. All right. How and about I, that, Jim? I don't want you commenting on no, it. You don't I'm need just... any comments. Yep, that's fine. All right. Do we have any more questions left? No, no more questions, says the boys. Well, listen, I want to thank John Scott for joining yes. us. That was a hell of an interview. How well-spoken is he, Pierre? Well, gentlemen, he's just – so you just, you just said something really smart. And I you say a lot of smart stuff, and a lot of it's off the air, believe it or not, for the people <laughs> that know. You, you are. It's, we have – how many times a day do we talk? Three, yeah. Four, five, five, who knows? We talk a lot. Yeah. Anyways, you just talked about leadership. Just say 10 years ago, mm-hmm. you bring John Scott into the Ottawa dressing room now. There you go. Do you think that makes a difference? Yes. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. Huge. Huge yep. difference. Huge yep. So is he the guy that's going to play the most minutes? No. Nope. Is he the guy that's going to play every day? No. Nope. But is he going to make a difference every day? Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. Yep. He's going to help him Those be better. Those guys are priceless. They're they're yep. worth their weight in gold. They really and, are. And he's a he's he's a great person. That's you what know, I mean. That's it just that will rub off. He, yes, he makes yeah. everybody better. Yeah, it's every great. not just as a player, but as a person, he makes everybody's like, look at this guy. I want to yeah. be more like this guy. Yeah, he's, he's really him. special. He's I made- love every time I had a chance to talk to him, and uh, I, I couldn't believe um, just how great it was being at that All Star game in Nashville and how yeah. the reception was for him from the fans. And from his peers, from his peers was amazing. It was really amazing. And you must have known then too, Pierre. I mean, the, the guy's made for broadcasting. He, he's so eloquent. Well, he was really smart. I didn't know that he would divorce his uh, his daytime job to go do the media. Like he's he's a mechanical engineer. That's insane. He, he, That's awesome. he and his wife are really really smart people. Wow. They, they have powerful degrees. Yeah, for well, it's sure. pretty neat. It's pretty okay, well, neat. Thank you to him for joining us. Uh, it was a really enjoyable interview. Thanks to our production crew. Thanks to you, the listeners and the viewers. And, of course, our friends here in the in the comments section always asking great questions. Don't forget Factor. Oh, and thank you to Factor, who, who will play a factor in my appetite now. Uh, we love that. Remember, uh, iTest50 is the code if you go to Factor to get your packages there. Um, and Pierre, we got a great two more days left in a week. We got good guests coming on. Yeah, Colby Armstrong tomorrow. He's he's uh, priceless, worth his weight in uh, oh yeah jokes and you, you and, won't laugh at all with him on there. You know what? You know what's cool about Colby? Um, he is tough. Like he's happy go lucky. Oh yeah, Colby, fearless guy, really fearless, yeah. fearless guy. <laughs> and look at when you break in as a junior player playing in Red Deer in those days for Brent Sutter. You had to be tough. I'm yep. just telling you. And Brent is a very good friend, so I can say that. But you you had to be tough. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. And then Friday, speaking of success stories, how about Rand Pecknold? Friday. Wow, love it. Can't coach of the national that. championship, Quinnipiac Bobcats. Yep. Good for him. And they got another good team this year. Look forward to talking to Rand. And Pierre, before we go, we'd be remiss. And I, I won't say, I just was reminded looking on Twitter here. Uh, that you know what happened 14 years ago today, Pierre, probably one of your greatest broadcast memories in 14 Vancouver. Years, it had to probably be Vancouver Olympics. That's right. The golden yeah. goal by Sidney Crosby. Well, I'll just tell you right now, today. being between the benches of that game, 
tight. Ronnie Wilson was coaching Team USA, and obviously Mike Babcock was coaching Canada. Both had unbelievable staffs, phenomenal staffs. And obviously Sydney gets the pass from, from uh, Jerome McGinley. All I could hear, and there were, I don't know, 18,000 screaming maniacs in the building. I could hear it between the benches, Sydney going, Iggy, Iggy, Iggy. He was screaming it so loud, and Jerome made this great pass, and obviously Sid scores against Ryan Miller. But right after it was over, after the Olympics were over, everybody made like a beeline to get back to their hotel because it was bedlam. Yeah. The next day at the airport, Doc and I were with um, Ronnie Wilson. And we asked Ronnie, we said, you know, after you forced overtime late, were you surprised at how it went? And he goes, no. We extended. So It was amazing. And I never saw this documented anywhere. He said, we expended so much energy to get back in the game against Canada that when we tied it, that was almost like our win. Yeah. Nothing else. I kind of remember feeling that way watching it, Pierre. Yeah, he said, and he told, like, yeah. he told Doc and I, right, we were at the Air Canada Lounge in Vancouver, for those that know the airport, and he just said, we had nothing left. Like, yeah. for us to have won overtime was going to be, America. you know, like a pretty much of a fluke, like a long shot that Luongo couldn't handle. You yeah. know, and so I remember, and it was a good lesson because I said, you know what, I never really thought of that. Mm-hmm. And and when you think about it afterwards, and you watch the tape, you realize, holy okay. shit, this guy, like they, he was right. They they just emptied the gas tank just to get it to overtime. And they had nothing left. We should get Iggy on podcast. We, I we love get that. Iggy on. Yeah, we should get him we on. Get Iggy on. We definitely could get guy. Jerome on. We can get we'll, Jerome. We'll look into that for sure. All right. Well, listen, another great addition that I test here on the Sick Podcast Network. He's Pierre McGuire. I'm Jimmy Murphy. Enjoy the hockey tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.